1: Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring modern drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beatmakers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, This show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Hey,
2: everybody. This is your brother, Narda Michael Walden. I'm so thrilled to be uh, bringing to you this week's episode of a a gentleman who's so humble, so kind, but yet so raw and powerful. He has shooken and shaken the world. I I saw him on Saturday Night Live with Jack Jack White, and he had his his drums all all crumpled on the floor. And he beat the hell out of them drums so tastefully, like if my man was still alive from Led Zeppelin to now, going through hip-hop. There he was, like a new John Bonham in a black man's body named Daru Jones. This boy, his name is Daru Jones. He is incredible. This is Nara Walden bringing you this new episode of Daru Jones. I want you to watch and absorb every word because he is the culmination of the old meets new. He is the new generation superstar. So bow down and learn from the magical feel, the magical feel of Daru Jones. Look out. Daru, I'm going to sing for you. Daru Jones, you got it going on. Daru Jones, yeah. Daru Jones, yeah, you got it going on. Daru Jones. When I saw you on a sad night live Blowing up them drums um, The whole world The whole world Never recovered no. And we're children We're children of God Yeah, we're children We're children of God Yeah, we're children we children of God, every day, every day, every day, every day. And one more last thing I want to say to you, I want to, say to you. you make me feel, oh so good. You make us feel, oh so good. You make us feel, oh so good. Dara Jones, oh Dara, Dara. Love you, man. Love you so much. Thank you for your time.
3: Love you too. Thank you so much. out <laughs> <laughs> I
2: just want you to know, man. I'm. Um, I, I'm. Uh, I'm really for Clint, man, because you're so beautiful, and you are the new generation. Uh, I bring to you my generation, and we bow down to your generation, to you because you are now taking what we gave and you high red into hip hop, rock, jazz, gospel, and you are the new sound and we love you for it. So I wanna just tell you that straight off the bat. Listen, i be a vessel. Yeah. A glory, you know what I'm saying? And praise, and it's an
3: honor. You know what I'm saying? You're you're a legend and you already made and I'm just grateful you know, to, to have the opportunity to, to perform on that platform and people seeing me like yourself and I'm, I'm just thankful, it's an overwhelming, less feeling, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm just trying to take it all in, but I really appreciate
2: you. Yeah, you,
3: brother. They're doing it, so it's it's such an honor. Thank you yeah, so much.
2: So then, I, I see you're, you're in a bowling alley.
3: <laughs> First of all. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's actually, um I don't know if it's a franchise, but it started in Brooklyn, New York, and I think they have another one in um in Vegas and one in London, and they just built one in Nashville. Okay. The, 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 the crazy thing is, they were supposed to open on March the 15th of this year, right. and because of the pandemic, they could never open up. So I'm like, I'm sure where well, they have a performance area. Yeah. To my left, yeah. and um, this, I guess I may be the first person. I don't know if I'm the first person on these lanes, but doing something like this, I'm, I'm thankful that that. I shout out to brother Colin and, and the Brooklyn Bowl staff, allowed me to come here. This was very last minute. Do you actually bowl? You know what? Well, you know what's funny? <laughs> I hadn't seen a bowl until I started working with Jack White because he's a bowler. Oh, okay. Uh, shout out to Jack White. He actually has a bowling, you know, situation at his at his personal, you know, at his at his crib. And that's the first time I started bowling because he's a bowler. Every time we would go to the cities and we would have a day off, he would actually rent out rent rent out the entire bowling alley for us. Wow, so, I love it. I get the bowl, and that was my first time learning how to bowl. And I think I, you know, I'm right. You know what I'm saying? I, I can definitely. <laughs> so that was my first introduction to bowling to Jack White.
2: So let me, let me ask you some questions. How do you, how, how are you feeling? How are you handling all this uh, pandemic? How are you handling everything? How are you
3: just trying to make the best of it every day? You know what yes. I'm saying in the yes. party we struggle mentally. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. like I was actually on, on, a, on, on a tour one with Wee Ellis, you familiar with Peewee Ellis? Right. Yeah. Wee Ellis, he played with James Brown. You know what I'm saying? Yes. A good friend of mine, China Moses, She's the daughter of um, Dee Dee Bridgewater. You know what I'm saying? So China scenes with Pee Wee Ellis and um they, they will put together a funk band to do this tour in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it's tour started the um the, the last couple of days in February and it went until the mid mid-March. So I was in I was over in the UK doing this tour, playing funk music, a tribute. You know what I'm saying? We we would cover like James Brown, of course, because um Pee Wee Ellis, he I think he wrote Cold Sweat.
2: Yeah, and also he wrote the Funky Chicken. Oh my god. I mean he's he's a um, Pee Wee Ellis is famous. For for the for, for his work with James Brown, oh
3: my God, yes, yeah. Oh, so yeah. To be to get invited, they had a, um a huge UK artist by the name Omar. You know Omar from the UK, vocalist. Uh,
2: yeah, I've heard of him. Yes,
3: Omar. He was on the roster, and they had all these legendary, um, amazing musicians. So we was just playing, you know, tribute to music. We played some. We played a Stevie Wonder cut, and a lot of you know. And it and the crazy thing was, it was every night we was doing these shows with a packed house. Yeah. And they, Never forget, um, mid March, the, the pandemic really started hitting the fan. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I had to fly back to New York because I like direct flights, and um, they had my flight going back to New York. I had some work I had to do there. Mm-hmm. I stayed in New York for like a week and a half, right before they shut down. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it it was like, it's like the Twilight Zone. You know, what I'm saying, oh, like, going from performing in front of audiences to now having to just post up at the crib.
2: Right, right.
3: And so. Right. You know, at that time, too, I, I had started doing some therapy because, you know, I just, you know, just some things that I need to work out. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and as a close friend of mine, it was like, man, you know, take this time to just kind of go within yourself. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and right. heal. Heal. And um, I started cooking. You know learning <laughs> how to, <laughs> how to like, exercise and So, you know, I took this time to make the best of it, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get too long with it, but, yeah, that's pretty much what it's been.
2: I wanna tell you, man, I I keep referring to the show, but I wanna hear you speak about it. Um, The Saturday Night Live show is a huge show, first of all. Uh, Anyone who's into anything about television is hip to Saturday Night Live. When you went on that show, uh, you set a new standard because you were just so pure with it. I mean, you knocked me flat. I know all drummers who, who happened to see you and musicians who happened to see you got knocked flat. How did you feel during that time?
3: It was crazy because, you know, I, I keep my I keep my cell phone on me and, you know, you forget all the contacts you have in your cell phone and I <laughs> from like Sean Pelton, Vinny, you to text me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: text me like my heroes. Yeah. Like, man, did, who? I was like, did everybody see this show. Yeah. It was so, so real because the text messaging that I've gotten, I was just like, man, Will Kennedy. Yeah. And like, oh, my God. Because, you know, when you go on those platforms, you never know who's watching. Mm. But I guess everybody's at home. Um, people were tuned in yeah. Mike Morton so it was, it was overwhelming. Like it took me days to really, cause I'm the type of person, like I'm old school. Like when people say hi, I say hi, when they, when they give a comment, I say, thank you. So when I'm using my social, my social platforms, I try my best to respond to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so, it took me a minute just to look through the, all the comments, see who's gave me a shout out. And then you rushed out a good friend of mine, um, a mutual friend of ours, Vance, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he was like yo the the rock's trying to hit you up i was like really so it was just overwhelming like i i just didn't i had no idea that we would be a part of something because i I guess it makes sense because we're all a lot of us are not performing we're not being able to play live so um i I never forget before we went on stage i remember jack said he wanted us just to play like we were jamming
2: yeah that's right
3: you know just kind of play with dynamics and just Mm -hmm. like like a, like a real performance. Like we were just in a room practicing and just jamming out, and and I just think it, it was it was some things too. I remember Jack telling us that he would, he was on a fast. He was on like a all water fast for like a week. Okay. Like There's some elements that that helped out the scenario, and the funny the the the, the funny thing was because of the, the um the COVID testing, all it would have took it was somebody to be negative, and we would opted us out of it. So it was so many moving parts. So I just, I just, I just really believed that God had a message that He wanted to live to, you know, to deliver, and we were just the vessels. You know, what I'm saying, I know it was it was unfortunate for the artists that got canceled out, you know, and, and and but I just felt like God had it. He had a message that He wanted to deliver, and we were the vessels. And I never forget, I was on my way to the to the gym. Yeah, I don't know if it was opened up in LA, but in Nashville, they still have like Planet Fitness. I have a membership. I literally was on my way to the gym, and normally Jack, he would text me, but this time he FaceTimed me. Yeah, I, this must be serious because I got the FaceTime. Jackie, he, he told me what was what was going on. I think they wanted him to come in perform me. You know, he mentioned that the other art, art, other artists had you know situation and he had to get opted out. And Jack actually, if I was available, and I was like, I was like, yeah. He was like, well, I want you to come to the you know to my to my place so we can rehearse immediately. So literally, we had to you know get together, rehearse, and then we're gonna take the the um the test. You know where they do this swab and that was that was my first time doing the test to that that extent so i was just like oh my god the first time they did it i was like because somebody else was putting that utensil you know in, in you know the process it was you know what i'm saying but saturday night live they made us do it every day right but it's just like it was such a blessing because you know of course obviously jack has a crew the management they all had to, to travel with them we all had to get tested but if one of those missing pieces would have felt the test, we probably wouldn't have been able to do the show. So I just thank God that, that we all came out, you know, successful. Yes. It was smooth. They flew us private jet there and back and it was a beautiful experience. I mean, I, I really felt like God was over us. Like the, 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 the our angels were, the angels were with us, you know, I am thankful that we were able to do that. And the response from the cast, from, um, from, um, what's the comedian name? Jim, Jim Carrey. Yes. It was my first time meeting Jim, but I didn't, even know, I didn't even know he was a drummer. Okay. Jim said he plays drum, and, and then the, the host, um, Bill Burr, was a drummer. And I'm like, man, I got to go look this cat up, but it was just the response that we got, it was just overwhelming. But I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. Big yeah. shout out to everybody that's been chiming in, and, and like yourself, it's just such an honor, man. I be, I was, I've literally been in tears.
2: The guitar player I work with is, is a Neil Sean from the band called Journey. And Neil told me that when he saw you, he thought about John Bonham. Now, what do you think about that?
3: Man, I'm a huge fan of John Bonham. That's such Mm -hmm. a to be considered, to be mentioned next to his name because, you know, John Bonham is definitely one of my heroes as far as in the rock community. You know, um, when I got exposed to the rock drummers, I admired him because he had, you know, the rock drummers, they always had bigger drums.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) They always got bigger
3: drums. off on a Pearl and eventually I graduated to Yamaha, but we always had the smaller drums, and then the sizes were like the hi-hats were 14. But when I saw the rock guys, they always had these huge kits, and that's what I liked about Bottom. his sound, his singing. and just the way he played, he played from the heart. Yeah. Like and like yourself. Played from the heart, and that's what resonated with me. So that's honor. That's honor to even be mentioned. That's that's crazy.
2: That's yeah, crazy. man. Yeah. So then this is my question to you because uh, you have mastered time. You have learned how to like in the genre of machines where they intentionally will drag time or put the kick ahead or put the hi at a certain. You've learned how to do that, which is there are only a few cats who can really do that and, and be you know like sound cool with it. Um, anything you can say about that? Because I've been studying you. you, you know you you really you've learned how to dissect time, man. Tell me about that. Well, basically, you know,
3: I always tell people, you are what you eat, as you know. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah.
3: You know, that's going to be a part of your, you know, your aura, but uh, I'm just referring to that as far as music. If you listen to a lot of a certain thing, that's what you want to play. That's if right. you listen to a lot of rock, obviously you're going to play that, but I listen to a lot of hip hop, that's like a part of my foundation. You know, I started playing in church. That's my, you know, my roots. Then I will learn about the jazz drummers, and then the rock drummers, and then I, at the same time when I would go to school, all my friends was into this hip hop. I'm like, what well, is this hip-hop? And basically I came up Pentecostal, you know, I was playing in the strict, strict um church foundation. Like we were told anything outside of gospel was secular and we couldn't listen to it.
2: But okay.
3: <laughs> at school, all my friends was into hip hop, so I wanted to be down. And then eventually I would start learning about the producers. Right. Dr. Dre, um, Pete Rock,
2: come uh-huh.
3: here from Gangstar. And a lot of those, a lot of those producers. Of course, they were sampling, in the 90s, they were sampling like Clyde Stubblefield, James Brown, The Breaks. And you know, when you when you heard a lot of the, those drummers play, they were a little glitchy. Like that human, that human mistake, you know what I'm saying? When you would hear certain those old school records like the Motown. And for some reason, the producers, they left the mistakes in. Right. You know, I mean? they didn't fix it. And, and I, I thought that was clever because that's a part of being human. Like we're not robotic. I mean, some of us, we can study to be robotic, you know, there's a few of us like the Terry Bozio's and those that really.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> to me, you know, I, I like that, but I like the drummers that you know, like the Purdys pur- that really make that little glitchy,
1: and,
3: and a lot of the producers. That's what they implemented in their in their sampling. And uh, um, one of the one of the producers that I wanted to, you know, give a shout out to his name is James Yancey, A.K.A. Jay Dilla from okay. Digital. I should be, you know who Jay Jay Dilla is. Okay, but he's had a group called Slum Village, and that right. was. Um production, like the way he would produce, he did not always quantize the drums, and, and that was his thing. Like if the kick drum was a little draggy, that was his swag, and it it became a big thing. And that and another producer that I heard kind of doing that was a producer named RZA from the Wu Tang Clan. But I think the RZA, from from my knowledge, my knowledge, um, a lot of those producer guys they would get the equipment, but they didn't know how to use it. They didn't they didn't read the manuals, okay. so. Pretty much, they just, it was by default. So a lot of the, the Wu-Tang stuff was a little glitchy, mm-hmm. but because he may not have know how to quantize, but Dilla actually produced his beats sloppy on purpose. Got but it. Dilla's influence was, he was referencing Bernard Purdy and those drummers. When you hear those records, you may hear the drummer hit the, instead of hitting the, um, the snare drum, they would hit the rim shot by mistake or they would fall behind the beat. And that became, that was, like, the thing. Yeah. So I to a lot of that, then eventually, like, that's what I ate. So yeah. I, and I'm also a producer. Mm-hmm. So I produce, you know, beats like that. So I think that helped. But when people ask me, how do you break that down, I I, I don't know. I can't, I don't know what it is. I, I, it's hard for me to break it down because it's just, like, I listen to it. So it just comes out, it just comes out honestly. Mm-hmm. Basically, it kind of sounds like a phlegm. Mm-hmm.
2: But...
3: I was, I, was, I tell people too, like when you listen to um, Elvin Jones and them cats, they played all over the brown line. That's right.
2: That's, was right. It. that's right. That's you right.
3: Know, if you bob your head or you have a Metrodome on, and they, and you they, they, they're phrasing, you could tell that they still have a clock, and I think that's important. You know what I'm saying? So even even though I'm playing glitchy, I still have this clock in my mind. I, I don't know. Did I answer the question?
2: Yes. I'm on to you. I'm on to you. Plus the fact that I also want to say the, the production style of you. That you know, you also have. You can make the, the hi hat sound kind of dirty. You can make the drum sound. That's also part of it. You know, you know, you you you're a scientist. You're a scientist. You're a drummer, but you're also a scientist. This is what I want to get onto. Anything you want to add about that portion of, of of where you're coming from? Because you have to say that about you. You're not, you're not just playing some drums. You have a whole mindset. Go ahead. Yeah. Anything you want to say? So
3: that's that's a good that's a good, that's a good that's a good part of the question. So. I had a lot of older mentors in my life, and I'm thankful that all, I, I, you know, I say from from people, there's two things that you can learn. You can learn what to do and what not to do. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> old mentors in my life, because I would just watch them. And one of the, one of the guys that I admire coming up, his name is Michael Lee, and he was he was he was dope. You know, what I'm saying he was all around drummer, but he would all he would be like, yo, when I'm playing and I and and this is when I'm playing the drums, I'm the I'm becoming an engineer, like I'm EQing myself. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying so as you know when you playing. Patterns you could play a groove either top heavy or bottom heavy. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm actually taking stress off the engineer because if you just up there playing loud, then the engineer is going to have to work hard. You know what I'm saying? And if you're playing Pacific songs and it requires the drums not to be lower, that's going to make the engineer have to work harder. But i was like, nah, it's our responsibility as a drummer to be a complete package. So when I'm playing, I'm listening to my rhythm. I'm hearing to say, hey. Do I need to play this beat, you know, bottom heavy, which means I'm going to kick, hit, the, hit the, the bass drum a lot harder and just barely top on the top. Right. So you see those James Brown records, Clyde Summerfield, he wasn't playing hard, he wasn't playing hard, he just his touch, the right. finesse. Right. So I'm basically, depending on the genre, because as you know, if we're, when we're playing rock, there's like a T, 10 dB up higher, so it's full in. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying, but if I'm playing RB. and or any whatever the, the genre is I'm listening to my environment and and I'm trying to see how can I fit in
4: Yeah You
3: know what I'm saying so that's what mm-hmm. I'm missing When I'm playing I'm like trying to EQ mm-hmm. You know and play, you know accent sometimes on a hi hat like mm-hmm. but, but yeah that's that's the whole approach
2: You got to know but brother man James Brown came in this room and told Jim my engineer he said the kids love the bottom man the kids love the bottom man So what you're saying is absolutely true He really wanted that extra punch on the bottom man he loved it, and he actually forewarned us like 20, 15 years ago how much, how important the bottom end of the records was going to be coming in, you know, and of course, then we have all the earliest, now I got all the subwoofers kicking hard, you know what I mean, bass is, is, is coming on strong, bass drums coming on strong, boom. Mr. Brown predicted all that way back then, so you're right, he's on to it, man. Yeah.
3: One, always talking about hitting on a one, yeah. you know, playing that beat like... And that's the whole thing even with even with um bootsy college you talk about the one just that one and that's what that's what made people dance yeah even in church like when i came up in church there was not the gospel chops era it was more like a pocket and everybody kind of planned for the spirit to come in but they they're still doing it nowadays but it's more like a whole presentation like fusion gospel and that's cool but like when i came it was all about like that pocket like the, the um um quartet music, it was like it was just, you know what I'm saying? Like that whole that stomp, you know what I'm saying? And that's what made people dance. You know, even in the hip-hop community, it's not about having all these extra fancy notes. It's just about making people dance. And I say when you play any genre, I think it's very important. If you don't see somebody out there tapping their feet or bobbing their head, then we're not doing our job. Uh-huh. Yeah, Fusion, that's a different story. But I still think that the hi-hat is your metrodome to connect with the audience so they can feel that pulse, you know what I'm saying? So the bottom end and just having that one, I think that's very important, very important.
2: I also love the move you make uh, of space between, a, you'll do like a crash, crash cut, or you'll do even like hi-hat and you'll, you'll hang it, you know, intentionally. I love the space you're putting in the, as you're playing. You're not trying to fill everything up. I love that about you. I gotta tell everybody about that around the world. It's your space and know where to put that space.
3: Oh, you know that, a lot of that comes from like, when you listen to some hip hop producers, they will produce a track and then they would do drops to accent what the artists are saying. So that's, that's that's some of that, somewhere, some of that. And I just do that live. And I'm thankful that um I've been able to build some, you know, like a presence or for people to call me because they, they feel like they want me to add that. When I get the music director job, I'm like, I'm not just playing a record. I'm figuring out how can I enhance and add some, some things to it, you know, to give it a little, a little spice. And that definitely, that definitely, that's definitely a nod to hip hop producers doing those little drops and whatnot.
2: Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, now let's get to the invention in your, in your, in your spirit, you've taken the drums and flipped them backwards to a place where I'd never seen like that. I've been playing drums all my life. I never seen anybody take the tiles, put them down the front, flip them backwards and lean over and kick them like that. So, what what are you doing, Daru? <laughs> what are you doing? Man?
3: So basically the inspiration behind the tilts, I definitely want to shout out all of the drummers that I saw do that. Yeah. But it was Cooper. I love I love Cooper. Okay. That showmanship and I, we could talk about that, you know, later. It's, that's a part of my plan. But basically the tilt it was def, definitely a tribute to the old school guys that I saw. Because in church, all the drummers play match grip. Yeah. you know what I mean? but then one of my mentors put me on to the buddy from Warriors' receives and i would see the jazz drummers play the tradition i was like man i want to learn how to do that so it was only a couple of us playing traditional okay and i already was doing a snare drum that way and then one day i woke up i was like man what happened if i do the floor time mm-hmm. it, it was awful looks because like in the hip-hop community i remember coming up there was a terminology saying don't bite off of me which means don't copy off my style mm-hmm. <laughs> If, if, if as as a, as a rapper if you were in the same room and you had the same chain or you had the same outfit on yeah. that was the issue yeah. everybody wanted to have they want to look different right you know, and I referenced that to when you went to war shows if you went into a war show and somebody you know it's a big thing to try to you spend all this money because you want to stand out and look different mm-hmm. you know and, and I remember going in, in, in school I didn't want to see nobody with the same outfit that I had on it, so as far as that was that was my setup and I remember um at the time, I had got introduced to the roots. Shout out to Amir Quest Love. You
2: yes. know
3: yes first live drum, I mean the live hip hop band that I that I got exposed to, right? So I just I definitely want to shout out Amir because I definitely want to think for what he's done for the community. Yes. He just definitely, definitely been inspiration, but it was just so cool to see somebody downsize because I was used to playing the five-piece kit.
2: Yeah.
3: he had a couple pieces. He had a snare and the floor time. And I was like, yo, he was playing, he was like, Playing the funkiest rhythms. I was like, oh man. And then I, and then eventually in my career, I would start being a, this hip hop drummer. You know what I'm saying? I was in New York and a lot of the guys, the rappers that I was working with, you know, from Tyler he's a Brooklyn MC, he had a group called um, Black Star with Most Deaf. I was the director and I played with Slum Village, which was Jay Dilla group. Now I, I just made a, rec- a record for myself where I started be- becoming like the hip hop guy outside of a mirror. I was like, man, okay. Of course, when I'm playing hip hop, I don't need to have all these additional times. And I was like, I don't want to look, I don't want my drum set to look like Course Love drum kit. So I was trying to figure out how can I develop my identity because I'm playing hip hop. And I was like, okay, well, what I can do is tilt, tilt snare drum. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, I was like, man, what would happen if I, if I tilt the times? And then that was, it was awful looks to make a long story short. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm like a knee freak. So I like everything to kind of look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I changed the way my, my setup was. And I, I set up high, so i come down on the drum so that was pretty much inspiration just, just to be different. Just because I didn't want to be like playing hip hop and look like Love drum kid.
2: Did you ever get like, um, okay, you're, you're bending over. Uh, do you ever have a pain of bending over? Is that ever an issue for you?
3: My first setup was just with the snare drum in front of me. Yeah. whole time, it was tilted. Yeah. And then eventually when I started working with Jack White, obviously I need more drums because that's a rock and roll. You know what I'm saying? So hmm. my challenge was trying to figure out how to be able to play fusion vocabulary with limited drums, because I was still playing. I, I had I had a um, a hip hop jazz band that I was playing with at the time, and sometimes I would break out those fusion chops within the hip hop. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really have all of the different drum sounds to give me those different tones. So I had to actually change my vocabulary. I had to figure out how to play this new drum set and play fills to match. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I grew into it, and then when I started working with Jack White, um. I added more times. I added like I had a marching drum because mm-hmm. some of those projects that he recorded, like the back and towards and Meg, they used that that marching sound. And Jack is a drummer, so that really gave me, that really made it pressure for me. Okay, good. I'm like, oh man, I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like when your boss is a drummer, mm-hmm. you feel like you're just. But what I liked about Jack is he hired me because he wanted me to bring my style to to the table. So that took all the pressure off me. I didn't feel like I had to come and beat Terry Bosey or Meg White or mm-hmm. any other got to use. He wanted me to come and bring my flavor. And then I added another, another time. And then just, just about two years ago. Um, I'm the type of person when I started seeing everybody catching on, I had to switch it up. Okay. So the latest addition of my kit is because I started people kind of copying I was like, let me just switch it up. So now I have my floor time in front of me. Then I have my rack. So I have everything drum wise on this side, the two symbols, just to, just to switch it
2: up. That's cool. And your purpose to keep the symbol low. So you can really like lean into it is that right yes because i like to come down yeah. and some people tease
3: me because it was like oh you you just doing that so you can be seen on the camera because you know back in the days you know williams and Vinny, they all set low you can, mm-hmm. you can you barely can see them because everything was so high and i'm sure i'm sure you you were you like that i'm sure you well yeah i had
2: high symbols but i was also aware of the tv camera i wanted to be seen as okay. i as i grew and suppose i started when i started singing and playing i really wanted to be seen so I see both sides of the fence.
1: Yes.
3: So basically, you know, people, they teach me, it's like, oh, you just want to be seen, but you know, I, was, I like for things to look neat, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I that. Rest in peace, my dad, he died a few years ago, but my dad, he was a perfectionist. Like, he was like, to me, like the best dress. And he also played with, um, he used to play with Rance Allen. I'm not sure you familiar with- I
2: know Rance Allen. Rance Allen, just so you know, man, had, had one of the biggest, most beautiful R&B songs in the world. It was called, I belong yes. to you. And I heard in a club in Washington DC, and everybody came to the dance floor like religion, and hugged each other hard and danced that song "I Belong to You." And he comes from Oakland, California, not far from where I'm, where my studio is. Really? He's genius,
3: man. man that was Ranch. Him and my dad were like best friends for over okay. 30 years. Okay. So started, Ranch would come in town. My dad would be his keyboard player. He's also sub for him when Chris burr couldn't make the gig, his regular guy. Okay. And I played with Ranch several times. Wow, a teenager. You know well, I, I
2: saw I saw his name on your bio, and that's why I wanted to ask you about. It, so I'm glad you're bringing it up,
3: because yeah. Rance Allen is
2: genius, man. God,
3: it, at the time, I'm hoping that they do some type of um, appreciation for him, yeah. you know, when he was alive, because you know I lost my dad a few years ago, and my dad played to the end. My mom is a, is a, is a, is a missionary, and she's a, a musician as well. So That's how they met. Like my my dad was my mom's organ teacher, but yeah, we were really connected mm-hmm. with the, with the Allen family.
2: So do you play keyboards as well Is that that one of your one of your things?
3: That's a little bit. I'm not nice, but I just just enough to put, to compose. Yeah. yeah. but my mom, she did she did put me in um organ lessons because she was like, "Son, I want you to suffer me." You know what I'm saying? This is when I was a kid, but for some reason, um it just I just never really gravitated towards it. The, the, the drums are just my thing and
4: mm-hmm.
3: um yeah. But yeah, I I want to shout out to you as well just being an advocate like as far as like the whole showmanship dressing you know I'm what saying your best that's 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 what i came up on
2: mm-hmm.
3: coming up in church it was very competitive yeah there's a pros and cons about that
2: okay speak about it
3: as you know a lot of musicians that come out of church they kind of have this arrogancy because you know when you play playing in the church it's all about giving god your best being 100 yeah. percent. but sometimes um it can just they kind of can take it the wrong way and they just feel like it's all about them you know what I'm saying this. You're supposed to be a team player. You know what I'm. Saying? I look down. So I'm thankful that I, I didn't. I didn't keep that. Me. I didn't. I didn't have that mentality. But I don't. You know. I'm just thankful that I was able to just. You know. Not. Not be judgmental. And I think that helped because I moved around. That really helped. That those are my. my that was My beginnings. You know. I remember. You know. Coming up in church and a lot of my uncles and cousins they played drums. And we. And we had a big family. So I remember going to church and seeing my uncles play and I was like, man, I want to do that. I started at the age of four, and I was so short that they had, they had to sit me on, this, on the school little school bench. You know what I'm saying? Because I can barely get to like on a regular throne, I could barely get to the to the pedal. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's my roots playing in church. And at that time, um, I was into the gospel drummers um, Dana Davis from Detroit, Michigan, played with the Brothers, yeah. my favorite drummers, and Michael Williams played in a group called Commissioned okay. with, with Fred Hammond. That's Fred Hammond's group.
2: All right, all right.
3: That's why I used to go see. We would go see them, and then of course the Clark Sisters. You know, it was a really cool, cool time at that. You know, with the Motown, and then the gospel thing that was really huge. And those guys, they just like Dana. He was known. He was known for having an amazing pocket. Right. He wasn't flashy, but when he would do some 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 fills, it was like, oh my god, he was he was like he was dope. Um, what I liked about Dana too, he had the showmanship, which I will learn at early age. The drummers that I saw they had the showmanship and I think that's very important. Like shout out to like Gene Cooper and those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. standing up and moving around. And mm. yeah, I knew that, you know, if I wasn't going to be this technical drummer, at least let me just, you know, have that. And then they were all about the way that you look, you know, coming and dressing your best. And I remember, you know, they would have these things called midnight musicals, which were like a concert. And they would have choirs come together. One choir would sing a song and they would call up the next visiting the choir. Mm-hmm. And playing, all the drummers, they would come in with their own snare drum and their own pedal. You know, oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. you come up in there if you didn't have a Pearl piccolo free folder snare drum.
2: Mm-hmm. You didn't have that.
3: Mm-hmm. you competitive, like coming up. you like it was. You had to have the name brand gear. It was. It was this this thing. So that that just really helped me as far as like making sure everything was like top notch. But at the same time, I want to speak about. Um, and Cindy, Cindy Blackman brought this up, too. She just spoke about, you know, we spoke about, like, social media, like how people are gravitating towards that. And you, you can become, like, overnight success. She talked about when she came up, it was all about them practicing and shedding to make sure they sounded great on the instrument. Right. Nowadays, you know, people, they, they, they just kind of focus in on being flashy and being seen. But she was like, no, we had to practice. We had to make sure that that part of the or we, we couldn't get the gigs. And I understand because they, it, it was it was so much competition.
2: That's right. If you,
3: up, if you weren't doing your gig, if you weren't doing your job properly, Dennis Chambers might get the call. That's right. That was just as good. And y'all cats came out when you know when the, the level of drumming Berkeley, you know y'all were like complete drummers. You had to know how to read.
2: Mm-hmm. You know that. Mm-hmm.
3: You had to dress. It was all these layers. But nowadays you can just set up your camera in your bedroom. You know what I'm saying? And you can and that's cool. I don't I don't knock it, but I just I'm 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 glad I came up at the time that I did because I got a, the best of both worlds. And I came up in a time where you have to transcribe, like get the, the VCR tapes, there was no YouTube. Right. So we have to listen and figure out what they were doing. Mm-hmm. That really helped my, my mind, that helped my creativity because it made me have to be creative and figure out like, okay, how can I, you know, can come up create something. In the studio, that's going to be, you know, what I am saying like be, um, um, memorable, like, still oh, college records, those simple fills. Yes, you know, anybody can any
2: anybody that's not a drummer they can sing them, but those fills is what make the song. So then, because you were like raising showmanship, I realize you also sit high where you can stand up. You can stand up and hitting like the endings and things. You are standing up. How do you? Uh, that's beautiful. Anything you want to say about how you feel standing up playing?
3: Yeah, so I, I was—I want to say that it's not a gimmick. Yeah, when you see that stuff? It's—it's it's happening. It's happening from here. That's right. Basically, when I'm playing the drum, I'm becoming the drum. Yeah. That makes any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm trading off, as you know, mm-hmm. other musicians. And when they do a certain thing, you know, that's that. You, you know what it is? Because when you're playing drums, when you play as a team, playing with that mentality, mm-hmm. you're feeding off what the next person is doing.
4: That's so right.
3: Crazy. It makes you want to do some crazy. So oh, that's right. It's a trade-off between the musicians and the audience, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing in a room and the room is dry, it, 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 you it, you and you focus on that. It can it it, it, it it can really mess with your head. Right, you know? right. Wow. Good story, the, the good story to talk about too. Um, I remember we had the opportunity to play Radio Radio City Music Hall with Jack White, on, on the Blunderbuss tour, and um at that time Jack was touring with two bands. He had an all female band and all guy band. And um it was pretty much everybody that was involved in the project. Um and that was Jack's, he's a 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 scientist, you know what I'm saying? And um I don't know why he did that, but it, it was definitely an experience that I'll never forget. But sometimes we would go to cities and we, we would play the same venue for two nights, right? So I, and another thing too on this tour, we didn't know who was gonna play the show until we got a text in the morning. So we would get a text or email, the girls are on tonight or the guys are on tonight. Okay. So Radio City Music Hall, we was playing both nights. So obviously the girls are gonna do one night. The guys are gonna do a night. hope. So people like the super fans that's been coming to multiple shows, they kind of know our format. Ooh. They know we play this long set and then we come back on do encore, which is almost like a double set. You know what I'm saying? So for some reason, when we played the Radio City Music Hall, they had it's seated theater. Right. I, I know Jack. He doesn't like playing see seated theater because people are just sitting down, like watching watch a movie, and that really impacts the performance, especially for rock shows. If people are, are if the people are in the audience and they're standing up, rocking out, it makes you rock out, right? Mm-hmm. Sitting down, just looking at you, eating popcorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't zone out, it can really play with your emotion. But I think somebody in the audience, Jack, had, you know, because he's in the front of stage, somebody in the audience was being I don't know what they were doing. But it made Jack shut the, he shut the show down. We didn't even play like the full, it was, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. So normally the people that, that knows our formula, they, know they know we play this long set and come out and do an encore. Jack kind of, he cut the show because somebody, I, I don't know what happened. Somebody made him irritated. I think a guy took his shirt off, something that was that crazy. And it, it just threw Jack's mold, mood off. Mm-hmm. And we didn't go back out for encore. The lights were on, people were sitting waiting on us to come back out, and we didn't go out. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of lost my train of thought on where I was going with this. Mm-hmm. Basically, just speaking about like zoning out, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. trying to be trying to be present in the moment. You
2: That's know what right. I'm Yeah, because I was asking you about, you know, you feel like so liberated, you stand up and playing, you're beating, like especially the ending of what you did on Saturday Night Live, the ending was like astronomical you And stand back, cool. Wow, beautiful, yeah, was, man, beautiful.
3: I just never know what's going to happen in that in that in that time. A lot it was just cool to be in that space of a form again, you know, in, in, in that environment. So I was excited and trade off of what Jack was doing. He was electrifying, so it was just a whole energy. And mm-hmm. and showmanship. When I'm playing with Jack, I like I like that setting because I feel like. I can play out my frustrations, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. Yeah. well the people, they don't know that that's this is, this is our therapy. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, sometimes we have to hold a lot of stuff in. Mm-hmm. This is, as you know, it, yes. it, it, it's a monster within itself. So when I get behind that drum, that's my church. That's right. That's why I'm connecting with, this, with, with, with I'm allowing the creator to use me. And yeah, in that setting with Jack, I, I feel like I'm able to be free.
2: I love it you know I play, I play with a guitar player named jeff beck and jeff beck is a, is a jack White fan uh i went to his house of course out in 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 the uk and he would play me some music of jack years ago he was always tuned in to like this guy the way he would think he liked jack's mind so the fact that you're there with jack is like i know it's like some revolutionary going some revolution music happening I, I can feel it with you you know so on behalf of jeff beck i'm gonna give you some love right now. All the cats in the world uh, who want to sit in this chair talking to you, love coming through me to you. Love coming through me to you.
3: Uh, I appreciate. Shout out to Jeff Beck. I actually had the honor to see him. They were in Nashville, and um, I'm good friends with Benny Caliuta, which okay. is because I grew up. He's been one of my biggest heroes, and you know, um, not to, not to get along with, with with that story, but he he let me know they were coming in to town. Mm-hmm. Got their to, badges, so I got to meet Jeff Beck, and it was just yeah. like. Guy, he was so, so so surreal. He was very he was very cool. He was very. But I had no idea that he was in he was interject Jack like that. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, lo- I love that music. I-, I love what you guys left for us because I always tell people like you guys are part of my DNA. You know what I'm saying? Like a piece of you, a piece of all the people that I listen to, it's a part of my DNA. So I want to definitely give praise and shout out to those that I watch. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. yourself, roll little things it, yes. it might the drums per se it might just be fashion but you guys are definitely all a part of of me and i just want to continue the legacy and then um be an example to pass it on to the next generation that's right as you know we got to bring up the next generation that's right the, the ogs are passing away
2: yeah well you you're doing that now with the drums are is this your own signature line that you're selling of this drum
3: it's actually I don't know if you guys can see the kit, but I, I just have the bass drum and snare set up. Right. Yes, I was able to do a with, collaboration with PDP via right. Deep drum. Hmm. And um, they basically, they do these, um, I'm having a, a brain, a brain melt right now. Okay. They do these travel size kit and they allow me to attach my brand yeah. with one of the travel kits, you know what I'm saying? And um, it's called the DJY, Daru Jones New Yorker, you know what I'm saying? And, and <laughs> for the opportunity, because I remember when I came on board as a DJW player, the company that I played before that I endorsed, they made a compact kit as well, mm-hmm. and I was trying to collaborate with them, but you know that didn't work out at the time because, you know, all is all these politics, and I understand that I'm still paying dues. I'm still paying dues to this day, right? So I, I just like I always have ideas, like I'm, I'm a creator, mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what can I bring, you know, to the table, and I was trying to like, like, yo, like a lot of the up and coming drummers producers, they're using minimal kits, as, as you know, cause a lot of, I'm I, I thankful that I'm in this time where a lot of the artists, they're bringing that live band in an in, in, in equation. Where at one time people were just using the machines.
2: Mm-hmm, that's right.
3: We, a lot, some, some of us was out of jobs, but it's a lot of music being made nowadays where they're bringing the drummer in and they also using the triggers and just able to get those sounds. But anyway, yeah, that was the whole vibe is Donald Dr. Joseph New York is all compact. It's built for the streets and you can use it for busking. I use it for all, all my gigs, you know what I'm saying, and I like it because it's a versatile kit. Um, one of my one of my one of my goals was to be a genre bending drummer, you know what I'm saying. Taking a taking a, a note from or taking a page from Steve Gadd, those mm-hmm. guys, I admire them because you and like yourself, you can play them in any genre situation. They don't overplay; they get the job done, you know what I'm saying. And that's something that I, I prayed I want to be able to be that drummer. Like I didn't have to have all the fancy chops, with just let me be able to have the mechanics. And then Steve Gadd, he was able to, to, to add his swag, his thing, you know what I'm saying? With what he does. And I, that's what I wanted to do, and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to get this drum kit. So yes, the that Dow Jones, New Yorker, you know what I'm saying? You can get it. People. And um it's, it's it's a swaggy color. It's, it's it's the black, it's the gold sparkle with the black fade. And that's one of the things too that I wanted to do with with, with with the drum. As you know, we swag, you know, we swag it, you know, we, swag, you know, we it's, it's 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 a fashionable thing. So I was like, man. I don't want to just have a kid up there and looks plain. I want to be like I want to look like furniture. Basically, the color is, is a spin off like um, my 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 sign. I'm a Leo. I'm, you know, I was born in August, so I want to have those Leo colors, like a, like like a, like at least like the, like the whole lion. Yeah. So that's the, vibe. the the stands are lightweight. You know, as y'all know, as drummers, stands are the hardest thing ever to carry. You know, what I'm saying it's always heavy. And if you don't have a drum tech, everybody's not fortunate to have a drum tech. You're wearing yourself out before the game because you got to carry all your, your, your the drums, and then the hardware is just the heaviest thing. So, the, the the drum the drum kit comes with lightweight stands, and it's it's a compact vibe. So, that's 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 what I'm using.
2: Um, we are your fan club. We are with you. We are one family, and we are so proud of you. And I have to sound, have to say again on on the conclusion of this interview, um, the things that you prayed to God to do, which was to let let God's light shine in you and through you happened in grand form uh, a few nights ago during this pandemic on that Saturday Night Live show. Because I'm going to tell you something. I've studied a lot of your music now. I've had a chance to check you out. I know what a genius you are. But something about that night brought together the world. Because you're not just hip-hop cat. You're not just rock cat. You're every cat. And you found a way to bring it all together, which few people can do. Few people can do. So this is why I'm loving you and honoring you and very happy to be talking to you. And we're so excited that you come on the show and, and, you know, share with us your life, how you, how you think about things. Because what I saw you do is like from the sixties of John Bonham, which we love, but now check this out. It's now. So you bring in the now. And that's like i'm saying all the cats who you may love we all stand back and go he's got that we have to learn from him now so we're trying to learn from you now so keep doing it man keep doing it i'm lost for words but it's 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 funny because like
3: you know i know i had this vision and and you know i was a believer like a full-on believer when i was a teenager and i would pray and i'm still a believer too um but you know, you pray for certain things, and you just go through your career, and you're just like, man. Sometimes, you know, when you when, when you when you're trying to do the right thing, it doesn't always it, it doesn't always get the attention or the light. You know what I'm saying. You know, it, it's a longer road. It's a longer road. And people with the gimmicks, or people that may have copied, they, they get you know they always they get the praise. But I'm just thankful that I had this opportunity to be able to 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 take my gift and it be showcased. Because um it's I've been trying to do it for a while, like you know what I'm saying. And and um I'm it's people look at the numbers, they'd be like, yo, you you know, you have the followers, but I'm like, man, it's not it's all it's not all about that at the end of the day. It's, it's as long as the creator, you know, can use me as a vessel. And I'm thankful for that I had the opportunity for him to shine through me. And yeah, that's that's I mean, I'm I'm lost for words. I'm just like, I don't really know what to say, but I'm just thankful because um like I said, I've been doing this for for a while, trying to bring what I do to the full front. And a lot of times, we don't get the opportunities. We're not getting invited to the, the, the you know to to all of the modern drum fest. You know all of the big end stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because, it's and I, I know it's it's, it's, it's you had to wait your turn. You pay pay your dues. You start paying dues. So I know it's a numbers game and you got this politics. People want to get this person because they play with that person, and I, I understand it. But I'm saying that I, I was able to. Be able to do what i do and and, and it came across and i am just just i'm just giving god that
2: listen blessing. bro all my love on this beautiful day and um first of all thanks for getting the about the, the bowling alley the look is genius for your drums <laughs> behind you you know your hat you're you white and you're black and you're in your gold you're on point i'm sorry that your your dad's in heaven you can't be with us in, in, the, in the in the physical but in the spirit we send love we send love to your mom and, uh, and to your to your family and just stay strong as you are. And we'll be friends for life now. We're brothers for life, uh, Michigan, Michigan brothers.
3: Very skillful, talented, like you're already made. So I'm like, I thank you so much for, for allowing me to come on this, on this platform.
2: All right, Daru Jones, you the cat, man. Stay as happy as you are and I'll stay tight, brother. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank okay. You. <laughs> well, 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 I told y'all he was explosive. He exploded on the scene like a sex machine, and he shook the world like Muhammad Ali on that side Night Live with Jack White rocking and socking, and I'm so proud of him, the great Daru Jones, and humble, naturally, naturally humble from Michigan, uh, like I am, and just has so much soul power and groove power, and he shows you it's not always about technique. Yeah, he's got great technique, but he's also got the soul power in the, in the deep groove. That's what we love in the world. All of our drummers have a deep groove, a soul power, and then technique, of course, to execute their ideas. But don't get lost in technique, and you ain't got no soul power. Always have soul power and then uh, develop your technique. <laughs> okay, hope you enjoy the great episode with Daru Jones. Daru Jones This is Nevada Michael Walden. loving you. Have a wonderful, wonderful month of February. Happy Valentine's Day.
4: All right, now time for the shop talk section of the episode. This week, we are going to check out a kit that I had the good fortune to review in the February issue. This is an Angel Drums segment shell maple drum set. Uh, Angel Drums is a Hungarian company that specializes um, in making all sorts of drums out of all sorts of materials. But when I think of Angel Drums, I think of two things. I think of uh, block shell construction. So you have you know, instead of plywood or stave shell or steam bent, this is blocks of wood that are arranged and glued and then milled down to the drum shell shape. And then also think of their angel hoops, which are straight um, stainless steel hoops. I believe they're stainless steel, So, that, but they have little, um, you know, little, what do you want to call them? Ears. So you don't have to have clips like an old traditional single flange hoop. So straight hoops with little ears welded on, very sturdy, very hefty. They marry perfectly with these big chunky maple shells. Um, this kit that we reviewed also came in a really pretty blue finish that was applied, not super thick. so you got a little bit of um, density. you got to, you could see the the grain of the wood. you could also see some like like textural dimension chains. It kind of gave the shells this sort of like 3d uh, mosaic kind of look, which is very cool. You can see the, the you know the photos are in the February issue and also in the video. You'll see what it looks like. Very cool, beautiful kit. Um, the sizes are eight by twelve rack tom, fourteen by fourteen floor tom, sixteen by twenty bass drum, and there was also a matching six by thirteen snare. Um, they are they all came with um, Remo coated ambassador on top, uh, clear on the bottom. Bass drum had the old classic PS3 batter and then a smooth white PS3 on the front and a small six inch board hole. Uh, I had to put just a tiny little bit of dampening inside the drum only just for the microphone. So it wouldn't, you know, the drum didn't resonate a little bit too long in between hits, but really they didn't need it. Um, it was very powerful, very punchy, very upfront. These drums, um, the microphones love them. They were, they, they'd be great for live because they throw a lot of sound, but also the microphones love them, just a real dense, focused, punchy, clean sound. Um, very easy to tune, uh, very high fi So think of like a very high fidelity, big, um, musical, rich drum sound with very clean attack, precision, but not all bite. There's also some nice warmth to it. So really just an amazing sounding drum. And the four-piece shell kit that I reviewed um, Kind of a shocking price for a handmade uh, solid shell. It's only uh, $27.99, so $2,799. That's with the matching snare. You can get it without the matching snare for $2,100. Great price for this. So let's check it out. This is the Angel Drum Segment Shell Maple Drum Set, 12, 14, 20, and a matching 6x13 snare. Check it out in the video. I go from tuned high and all the way down to low. Um, And check out the issue, February. And thanks for listening. See you next time.
1: Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy, and
0: thanks for listening and watching.